Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Pop That Mama, and in this episode, I'm joined by my lovely husband, Tom, to talk about the first week with Juniper. That first week is so exciting, tiring, and exhilarating, and you learn so much. So we thought it'd be good to sit down and share our insights with you. We'll be going through feeding, sleeping, and crying. Enjoy listening. So Tom and I are currently sitting on the sofa with a nice cup of tea and we've been looking through all of the old photos of Juniper just to help rejig our memories of that first week. So shall we just start by talking about feeding because I feel like that's quite a big topic. I definitely was quite naive in thinking that feeding would come naturally, breastfeeding. I thought that I'd just be able to do it and that the latch would be really easy. Uh, I definitely didn't think it would be as hard as it was. But Tom, what was it like from from where you saw? I suppose first thing to say is that I think you did incredibly well. And I think everyone who I've spoken to about this says it's definitely not something that really just happens. You know, you do have to work at it a bit as a team, really mostly obviously a team between mum and baby but also if there are partners or dads around there are certain things that we can help out with and do so yeah I think it's definitely something that is a stress and a concern until you until you get it right Mm. for sure Mm. and I think one of the things that we were remembering is the positioning so you would be focused really on getting juniper to latch properly and to be comfortable in her position often at the expense of your position so you'd be kind of hunched over Mm. there'd be random pillows stuck at all sorts of angles some falling out but you wouldn't want to move so if the pillows weren't in the right place you'd be like no no no, I've got it I've got it like I'm going to stay where I am yeah and to the point that yeah I was definitely worried at sort of a week in that you were basically going to turn into like a hunchback and that you were just so tense. That was almost more painful than recovering from the birth because of I I was so hunched over that I had so much tension trapped in my neck and shoulders. That that was worse than the birth, really. Well, if you listen to the midwives and, you know, obviously it's easier said than done, they were saying, make sure you're in a really good position before you start feeding baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... I think with most mums, it's going to be, well, as long as the baby's feeding, that's the main thing. And I'll kind of suffer any kind of consequences to make sure that the baby's okay and mm. feeding well. So mm. I can see why that's a hard, a hard instruction to follow. But it seemed to me quite, quite a good one if you can just remind yourselves and mm. you're not going to get it right every time, but remind yourselves that the mum definitely needs to be in a good position. Um, but another thing is the the latch. I think that was so hard to get that right. And I think it was that one time I fed her and it was a bad latch and you saw and I was in so much pain. I think you were telling me to stop, like stop, stop, stop. But I, I wouldn't because <laughs> I don't know. It's that thing where you just want to feed them even though it's really painful. Um, it's the same thing again. Like, you know, your instinct is completely the right one, which is feed baby. Yeah. And then... As you say, it was that moment where you were you were sort of thinking it'll be okay. It'll only be a short feed, and then maybe I can get a better latch next time. Mm. But it seemed that really set you back. Like yeah. tell 
tell the guys and girls what what that was feeling like or what it left you with well that was as you say like that that caused damage that then lasts for the full week like I I couldn't put a top on I couldn't put a bra on I had to put cabbage and all sorts of things cabbage is the best by the way (laughs) I went I went out into Archway in North London and bought the biggest cabbage you've ever seen it was like the only cabbage available I think in the shop yeah and I came back with this cabbage and then we proceeded to like work our way through leaf after leaf of this cabbage yeah it was so strange when the midwife recommended it I was like really cabbage so strange but it definitely works so if yeah make sure you get some cabbage but another thing on feeding the the milk when that when the milk comes in so my milk came in on day three and I was so emotional like I was just crying non-stop wasn't I Tom and you were also crying because I was crying yeah, I think everyone was kind of tired by then as well, so it was yeah. probably a combination. But you were, um, well, I think it was bringing in lots of things for you about your mum and your parents and what they'd been through when they had you and your brother. And mm. it kind of felt like a sort of big, as you say, sort of emotional crescendo after having mm. been quite chilled out, I suppose, for the first couple of days. Mm. Yeah, I think just having given birth, I was just thinking about my mum and thinking about how she would have found the whole experience. But the other thing we wanted to speak about was the idea of, well, the low milk supply, because I know it's a very common fear to think that you don't have enough milk, and I definitely was worried that I didn't, because I I had uh, engorged boobs, I think most people do, um, when the milk comes in, but I I hand-expressed at the hospital, and then when we got home, Juniper started crying loads, and I got it into my head that I had expressed all of the milk in the shower at the hospital, and then when we got home, I I got it in my head that there was no milk, and I think I even said to you, Tom, isn't it? It was like, it was all my fault, Mm. there's no milk, and then the midwife came, what was it, the following day or a couple of days later? Yeah, it would have been probably the next day, maybe. Yeah. And you were keen to like explore that a bit further because it seemed like a valid fear, obviously. But mm. when you checked with her, she, well, say what she said. She said, there will always be milk. <laughs> <laughs> Darling, there will always be milk. Yeah, yeah. Looked at me dead straight in the in the face and said that. Obviously, there are situations where there's, you know people do have low milk but I think it's just one of those common concerns that you just need to not worry about and initially you know especially when it's the colostrum is the first, the initial substance that comes out and then you worry when the milk's going to come but yeah don't worry it, it will come I think it's day three to five um, but another thing we wanted to speak about was actually crying because yeah newborns cry a lot and definitely in the beginning we were quite stressed out about the fact that juniper was crying we 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 thought that it was something that we were doing wrong and you know she'd just cry and cry and cry and i'd feed her you you know rock her shush her do all the things we'd go through all of our list of things nappy changes and she just wouldn't stop crying and that led me to go and do some research and I came across a woman called Aletha Salter who basically says that if you check through your list, process of elimination, you know, nappy, are they tired, have you fed them? And if you've gone through that list and they still cry, 
then they are just releasing tension and stress. And you might think, well, hold on a minute, how can a newborn be stressed? But actually they're just in this new world with lots of new senses, you know, lights, voices, touch, and even pulling a shirt over their head is a shock, it's a stress. So all of those little stresses throughout the day cause them to want to cry and release. And once we, once I read this and shared it with Tom, we were like, oh my God, like this, it's not our fault. Like we can just relax a little bit and, and leave, leave her to cry and, and release her, her tension and stress. And, and we just held her a lot of the time. So I think the, the whole tears thing and the crying, especially if it's your first, it's quite, it's quite a sort of shock to the system. You don't normally have something or somebody crying yeah. all the time in the house yeah. like it's weird it's a weird noise it's yeah. disturbing you think there must be something wrong but as you say you go through that checklist and you know they're not cold they're not too hot they're not hungry mm. they're not dirty like they're just they're just being what they should be really which is a baby and getting used to the world and mm. and as you say processing some of what they're some of what they're experiencing so I think the your tolerance will increase. I think in those early days, it feels really like full on. Mm. It feels really kind of disturbing at times. Mm. Um, but I think if you remind yourself of, of, of the things that Poppy just said and and just give it some time, you will get used to it. It yeah, will, yeah. I mean, it probably sounds a bit shocking, but you'll become better at ignoring it, yeah. which is, I don't want to say you want to ignore your crying baby, but at some point you have to kind of, zone it out a little bit because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna really wear yourself into the ground I think Mm, mm. and also just well what I found quite uh, interesting experience is feeling really frustrated and angry at the sound of the cry and I, I remember Tom you reading that book where it said put your put your earplugs in when baby cries and I said to Tom no way that's awful how dare you do that then you're basically ignoring your baby you're not tuning into them and I was like, no, give me the earplugs. Like, I need to protect myself here because that... And then I later read that the sound of the baby's cry, we're hardwired to respond in that way because it needs to alert us to go to them. So if you're aware of those things, you can just say, okay, I, I need to protect myself. I'm going to close the door. I'm going to walk away for 10 minutes and just, you know, collect myself and my thoughts. But I think we're as humans we're always drawn to find reasons for things and sometimes with the crying that actually isn't a reason apart from potentially releasing this stress and tension and then the things that we do to try and keep them quiet doesn't work because if you you're stressed and you're releasing tension and someone's bouncing you and shushing you and waving things in your face it's like i just want to you know go into a zone and release my 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 stress the final thing i'd say on the crying is that we, there was one point and she was just crying so much and we're doing the classic, let's Google it, let's see what it could be. And the answer's, oh, it might be colic. Oh, yeah. And um, this is kind of a bit later than, than the first week, but I think it's worth saying because, and we phoned my sister who's a doctor to say, oh, she's been crying for like two two and a half hours now you know she's got everything she needs we just can't work out what it is and and my sister said oh well you know maybe she's got colic and so we got our heads into that space because you want an explanation for Mm -hmm. it um and 
I think it became clear about two or three days later when the whole pattern was just then a new one and she wasn't crying in that way anymore, Mm. that that was just some kind of little phase, some development period she was going through. It definitely wasn't colic Mm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. She didn't have that. You know, you would expect that to persist for a much longer period than than a couple of days. But in that moment, I was just looking for an answer. Mm. I was looking for somebody to tell me what was wrong and to tell me, either I've just got to live with it or that there's a fix but Mm. that kind of you want certainty and I suppose you just can't get that really because you can't ask the baby what's wrong so you're going to live with a a fair deal of uncertainty I think in terms of what is the cause of this and Mm. and that's an important thing to get your head around because then you can then you can kind of you can tolerate things much much better if you're accepting of that I think. So should we move on to the third, probably most important thing that all new parents speak about, and uh, that's sleep. So I'll let you take this one, Tom. Well, I think I would say that Poppy and I like our sleep. Uh, we're quite early, early to bed types, and yeah, it's it's a big shock, you know, being woken up multiple times in the night. Uh, it's not. It's not something most of us have had to deal with before we have kids. I think most people go from being able to sleep most of the night uninterrupted to suddenly suddenly having that that real kind of disturbance in the in the sleep pattern. I suppose a few things that really struck me about having a baby sleeping in um in our room. The f- the first was the kind of noise of it. I remember that the first night that we were back and we turned out all the lights. And then, and then we heard her sort of doing her little thing, whatever she was doing, some yeah. funny breathing or um, uh, or what have you. And um, and yeah, it's like wow, there's now there's now a new person in the room um, that that I'm going to have to kind of tolerate and 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 get on with. And you might think, right, you know, we want to get into some sort of routine here, but I think particularly in those early days, there really isn't. A routine. I, I don't know. Maybe there are books that tell you you can start some sort of pattern really early. I I don't know about that, but for me, it just felt very much like she's gonna sleep when she's tired and yeah. when she wants to sleep, and we're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to get on board with that for a period mm-hmm. of time. But but I think what's true, and again, this goes beyond the early week or, or weeks, is that like things will be constantly changing. Mm like you think you've got something and then you think it's working and then it changes Mm. and then when it isn't working you think it's never going to work again and then it changes again so Mm. I think just being really kind of tolerant and and kind of forgiving of yourself because Mm. it's not I don't know it's not a competition to get your baby to sleep really Mm. like your baby is doing what it needs to do Mm. and you've just got to be you've got to be quite accepting of that I think Mm, and just getting used to being tired you know just saying okay I'm, I'm just this is this is the new normal being yeah. a bit tired you get used to it I think yeah eventually <laughs> you like your sleep more than I do Tom I think so I, I, I come downstairs and eat digestive biscuits and play with her when she's when she's up one one of the things that perhaps made me sleep less well than I probably should have done was quite an irrational fear and I don't know whether other new parents sh- shared this which is that she was basically just going to stop breathing in the night. So yeah. actually, when I was lying in bed and I could hear her breathing, I was relaxed. Yeah. 
But if I would wake up and I couldn't hear anything and she was in the Moses basket on the other side of you, I would I would like creep round in the middle of the night and, and put my my head over her um her mouth and and see if I could feel breath on my ear or, or put my hand over her nose and see if I could feel air coming out like yeah. I was I was really scared that she was just going to stop breathing I mean again mm. like completely irrational but mm. I think it's quite common actually yeah well Dana's had her baby and she's definitely freaking out about that <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the other things that we probably a lot of parents debate is the baby being in the bed with them I think again there's a lot of advice that comes from from the medical professionals about that and it's definitely worth looking at really seriously because obviously there are tragedies if you have the baby in the bed but I was I was really anti it yeah and you were definitely a bit more open to it in Mm. that in that period Um, but I think the reality is that there were times when yeah, she just needed to be close, close. to somebody mm. and, and lying on somebody's chest. So mm. I got quite used to in that early period having her like sleep on top of me. Mm. It's a good job I sleep on my back, but yeah, she would yeah, just yeah. be sleeping on my chest. It was so sweet, though. <laughs> you, the amount of parents I speak to that let their children as in when they're newborn, let them sleep on them. Like I was chatting to Emily the other day and she said the same. She said that that her baby slept on them and I think it's they, they just want to be close and so I mean yeah as you say it's a personal decision um yeah I mean obviously if you're a bad sleeper and you're going to roll around and like me you think you're gonna <laughs> gonna <laughs> fly do something, them. <laughs> do something to harm the baby then clearly you know be careful mm. I probably didn't sleep amazingly well with her on my chest but yeah. um but after a few days I probably got quite used to it and Certainly at that middle of the night period, if she was feeling a bit distressed and and not settling, Mm. um, you know, it can be hard. You were feeding her and then you were trying to put her back in the Moses basket. And Mm. yeah, she wasn't, she didn't want to be put down there. She was used to noise from being in the womb. She was used to warmth from body heat as Mm. well. So yeah, I think it was just one of those things that I was, I was not expecting to be doing. But you did. But I did. Mm. And I suppose I knew when it was enough was when she was heavy enough that it would basically mean that I could hardly breathe in oh, the night. Yeah. So I'd worry that I was going to actually be the one that would stop breathing. That would breathing die. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because she was so heavy on my chest. That's a good one. So one of the things that having had various nephews and nieces and cousins um, born and having visited them really early on I had it in my head that it would just be one of those things where you'd have a whole load of visitors once the baby had been born now obviously we've just been through Covid so it's kind of a different situation where actually there are limits and maybe you can't have somebody come round or um, or they could only come round in certain circumstances but it was something that you'd said to me actually which I'd not really appreciated which was not wanting to have a whole load of people turn up in the first week and well to put it bluntly judge you Mm. 
And also just how precious that first week is. You never get it back. And do you want to be making cups of tea and biscuits for people? Or do you want to be gazing in your newborn's eyes and connecting? You you never get that first week back. And we, it was a blessing in disguise that we ended up staying in the hospital for five nights. We won't go into that story now, but we were just in a complete bubble and it was amazing because we was in in a, we were just zoned into each other and we we found a rhythm that we just never would have been able to find had we been here with you know grandparents and nephews and family but again it's a personal decision but i i would never ever swap that for lots of visitors that was just golden they talk about golden hour that was golden week mm. and there's not really anything that anyone else can do yeah i mean they can they can make you a cup of tea. They can drop off a, a lasagna or, you know, some cake or something. There's things that people can do that help do your shopping for you. But actually with the baby, I mean, dads, dads are pretty useless. But, <laughs> but, but it's really that, um, that mum relationship. And, mm. and that was all that Juniper needed really was you. Yeah. Was your and milk. I needed you though. You, you needed me, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's... It's just one of those things where you might think, oh yeah, we're going to have, you know, my parents around on the Tuesday, yours on the Wednesday, then the brothers and sisters come around the next day, then a couple of friends the other day, and then mm. grandparents at the weekend. And then, you know, that whole week or that first fortnight has mm. flown by. Mm. You've had the added stress of people coming and going and feeling like you have to host them. Mm. Um, and... And you've probably missed out on some really nice kind of quality time and mm. and also just spending that time getting used to all of your different kind of roles now. You've all got new jobs mm. in the family, you know, mum, dad, baby, you're all doing things for the first time if mm. it's if it's your first child. And so putting that pressure of of having a whole load of other people coming through the house, I think is yeah obviously it's a completely personal choice and you're going to struggle to keep grandparents away from the baby they're going to want to come in for sure Mm. but I would say protect that time as much as you can definitely and it was really easy for us because we were in the hospital it probably would have been much harder actually yeah I mean we were in the hospital and even if people had wanted to come around there were covid restrictions as Mm. well probably Mm. still going on at that stage so Mm. yeah a bit of a blessing in disguise but even if you're you know, no pandemic and you're straight home that day from the hospital. Just think about protecting, even if it's the first 48 hours, just giving mm. yourselves a chance. I always remember something from time I spent in Ghana, which was that basically after the birth, the mum and the baby would spend a whole week basically with nobody else apart from maybe the um, uh, the mother's mother so the grandmother would probably be sort of in and around and helping but everyone else Amazing. would would get no access pretty much and then you bring the baby out on the seventh day and it's like a kind of reveal and the name that's so cool you, you give the baby the name at that point and yeah I don't know it just felt like a very a very kind of uh appropriate way yeah. of, you know really respectful. kind of respectful way for saying you've both just been through a whole load you need Mm. to form that bond really strongly Mm. and then then you can introduce them to the rest of the world and the thing is you introduce each other together it's like mum and baby appear Mm. that's really beautiful i like that yeah so i think what we've been talking about there are kind of some of the key themes that sort of stuck out to us when we were thinking back nine months or so ago 
when we first welcomed Juniper into the world, I think there's a tendency to focus a lot on the kind of practical things like what Moses basket you're going to get and what sleep suit and are you going to swallow them and uh, you know all those kind of things and they're obviously things that are important to parents and that you want to give some thought to but I do think the kind of the rhythm of how everyone's behaving and your mindset is like doubly trebly important to focus on mm. the physical things like the baby doesn't really care to yeah. be honest they you know as long as it's not cold it doesn't need a designer blanket it can cope in pretty much anything they're mm. they're pretty resilient little things and um yeah all of those all of those extras the soft toys all of the things that you think you're going to want to have and that you're going to focus on basically they don't get any attention in those first weeks so mm-hmm. I, I would focus more on getting your getting your mindset and your head in the right place mm. for finding your rhythm as well yeah exactly that's totally true and and if I think back to that first week I definitely think back in terms of feelings like I ha- I ha- I remember how I felt throughout that whole time I remember how I felt and how I was treated during my birth I remember that whole first week in terms of how I felt actually so mm. you're so you're so right Oh, that was nice. We are literally sitting on the sofa. I've just had a chamomile tea, so I'm feeling quite sleepy. You're having a mint tea. But we had a nice meal and we we just thought it'd be really nice to record a podcast together and just share that uh, those insights from the first week. I hope you guys have found it useful. Yeah, me too. Um, it's so hard to get Tom on the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling quite mellow, so I hope it didn't come across too... So am I sleepy. Too sleepy, but... Um, but anyway, that's probably an appropriate moment to... Say goodnight. Say goodnight. Because <laughs> if Juniper's up in about five hours' time, I'm going to want to have had some sleep first. Yeah, you love sleep. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye-bye. Bye. It was so lovely to sit and chat like that with Tom. Ah, it was great to also just reflect on that first week, you know. I don't want to let those memories ever die, and I'm sure you guys will feel the same. So, as always, guys, I am on Instagram, Pop That Mama. If you have enjoyed any of my podcast, I would love to hear from you, and please do leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Bye bye.